0: welcome folks welcome to paranormal roundtable i'm your host wolf and this is sal how's it going everybody how's it going everybody so uh sal
1: has a new wardrobe hey i'm like the emperor with no clothes i need i need a wardrobe you know i need a wardrobe (laughs) yeah yeah no i'm just kidding
0: he's wearing the same little crap he always wears oh yeah yeah it's it's drab green it's like he's still in the army it's all
1: about <laughs> comfort. It's all about when comfort. I, when I no, cuz
0: when I saw you when you first came in, I thought, "Wow, he looks better or he looks different." And I thought and then I thought it was a clothes, and then I saw you are wearing the same crappy clothes. It's actually cuz you've lost 25 pounds. Yep. Because of your wife. Thanks, yeah, thanks to her cuz, you know. She has put you <laughs> through, yeah. See my, mine was like, she's like, God, you're, you're fat and you're ugly, she so you need to lose weight. So I lost weight to, to look better for her, but Sal's wife actually cares. and I'm just kidding. My wife cares about me a lot. She keeps me on schedule with my medication and keeps me, uh, keeps me doing. She keeps me going. That's awesome. I have, a good, I have a good wife. And Sal, you have a good wife? I have a great wife. If I didn't have her, I'd be all over the place. Here's what's funny, folks. Sal can't eat sugar. He's on a low, low sugar diet, and yeah. I'm on a low sodium diet. I have really good blood sugar, but my, my sodium level gets bad, and then my blood pressure
1: spikes. So. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so that
0: is, the, he's no salt or no sugar and no No sugar,
1: salt. no carbs, all that good stuff, you know, but you know, that's how it works. You're
0: looking good. You're looking, you're doing good. I was like, I was impressed. I was like, and you, and you complimented me too.
1: Hey, hey, we both got to drop some of this weight. Yeah. Let someone else pick it up and take it home with them, you know. Yeah.
0: I've been doing better. I've been doing really good lately. I just uh, lift it all the time. And, and that's awesome. You know, I, like I said,
1: I've got to get myself back into, you know, I got to get myself back into, uh, the whole gym thing, because if not, you know, I'm just not, you know, it's funny because you, if you start working out, doing some type of exercise, you always feel better. That's Mm -hmm. a proven fact. So That's right. So with that being said, I'm just like, yeah, I've got to get back into it. Right now I'm dealing with a lot of stuff that I have to deal with the VA and you know what I'm saying? So, Mm -hmm. so hopefully I'll have most of that. Ironed out and taken care of. You VA know, in the next stands are very something. annoying. <laughs> yeah, that's what Man, most no, veterans yes. say. <laughs> that's right.
0: Well, the place I work at has a lot of uh, former vets that are PTSD.
1: Oh yeah, because
0: they, they, they get vouchers from the government, but they put them in the most horrible places with not good people. Oh, yeah, unfortunately, yeah, it's not good. But I'm only there for for a while until we get it cleaned up, and then I'll be moving on to greener pastures. So, greener pastures. Speaking of greener pastures, uh, our guest that we have on. Uh, is from Kentucky. Doesn't get much greener than that. Oh, the good old Kentucky bluegrass. Yeah, I've been through there, but I haven't um, stopped. Why not? Because I was
1: on my way to another state. Oh, okay. Well, same, <laughs> same here. But I tell you what, I did. Was pretty. You know, I, I did go visit Louisville for a little bit, and uh, you know, my wife went had to do some conference up there in uh, uh, Louisville a few years back. And uh, of course, we did. You know, we did the sightseeing tour around Louisville as much as possible, and then we headed up to Lexington to go see the horse farm, which was beautiful. By the oh, way, I bet that I would be it. nice.
0: There's, there's a couple. Uh, since you're not a native of Austin, I can show you one day. I'm going to show you. There's a couple uh, ranch roads outside of Austin that both have horse ranches all along there, and they're oh, nice. It's, it's really nice. Yeah, Definitely. so. Our guest I want to introduce t- to you guys and I think you're really going to like her. Uh I don't even want to mess up your name. So can you introduce yourself with and say your name the way that it's correctly supposed to be said?
2: Hi Wolf. Uh this is Jay Lura Ketchledge.
0: Ketchledge. Ketchledge is the easy part. That it's a l- it's a Lura, right? Does that does it
2: start with an yes. A?
1: A Laura? No, Laura. No
2: L U R A. It's an old Welsh name. Laura Welsh name, yeah. Got it, yes. Yeah, okay. No, Lura.
1: just Laura. Okay, yeah. got it. Yeah. Yeah. Drop the drop the first day. It's like Laura, but drop the first day in Laura. Laura. <laughs> there you go. Laura.
0: Yes.
1: Awesome. Yeah. I like that. Right, so
0: Laura you you have oh man, I don't know where to begin. You have so much stuff to to talk about. Now we touch base a little bit. Uh, back and forth, and then we we had a conversation. And you, I don't even, like I said, I don't even know where to begin. I guess we could just start from the beginning. Um, you had a near-death experience.
2: Yes. Um, well, thank you for having me on your show tonight. And back in 1979, this will make me sound old, I was 19 years old. It was an April day, and I had a catastrophic accident, and I was killed and then resuscitated and during those golden moments uh between life and death i had a near death experience wow
1: that's i've heard of many people having near death experience but i've never spoken to someone who actually had one. Uh, and that's so not true great.
0: my mother oh okay my mother's
1: well, died twice well see i didn't know this
0: yeah now and I that know. changed her life it completely changed her life um She's had a really, really. I, I'm, I, I'm still trying to get my mom to come on. I want her to talk on the show. I don't know. If she's <laughs> Good luck willing, with that one. If she, if she, yeah, if she'll do it. But so, Laura, you, what? Okay, so because that, that was the big, be- that was the beginning of your. Before that, you had told me that you were not like into any kind of paranormal or anything like that. Kind of set the tone for oh, the no, rest of your no, life. No, no.
2: Um, I'm I'm kind of a a linear thinker, you know, things that make common sense. I'm not much of a dreamer. So when I had this accident, guys, this was before the Internet. This was before the books and the TV and the general knowledge about what a near-death experience uh, was. But during my near-death experience, it just showed me the truth. It turned all my values, all my core values upside down. And I had a really, really tough time coming to terms with it. When I went into the hospital and I tried to talk to the doctor, he asked me what kind of drugs I had taken, which I'm a non-drug user. And then I even went to a therapist afterwards to try to, you know, make sense what happened to me. And she said, well, are you having a pity party about your broken hand and nose? And I was shut down and shamed so I I didn't talk about it and what happened afterwards the after effects um were the most profound things would you like to hear about that
1: Oh my god yes please
2: Well the after effects for me having a near death experience were it it changed me um I had a friend that was killed in a terrible uh accident in New York City and I saw him after he died um I saw my aunt, when she died, and I didn't even know she was dead, and it was very, very scary. In fact, I ran like, you know, through the house like a mental patient when she came in there because it was literally seeing the ghost. So I didn't handle this very well. I wasn't one of these, you know, uh, new age, let's hold hands, sing, sing, bye, ya, and chant, you know. I'm not that type of a person. So I had a hard time, you know, pulling it together that sometimes I'd know who was calling before they called, and I had um, a little bit of psychic uh, abilities, very rare, very random, certainly not smart enough to tell me, uh, don't marry that guy. It wasn't like that. But I really started coming to terms with it when I was 25, so it took me uh, a few years. I wasn't all that brave. But once I did, and once I started to let go of the fear, amazing things began to happen.
0: Don't marry that guy? (laughs) <laughs> that one that one is it, it makes me laugh i'm sorry and there's, there's no knock on you at all but it was just like you know don't don't marry that particular guy that's i think that's that's been a big one for you know, pretty much i mean, much anybody. I, mean
2: I, I didn't get you know messages you know buy stock and at&t things like that but i did get messages or things that saved my life would you like to hear
0: definitely
2: When I was uh, 34 years old, I was very sick, and I went up to the Mayo Clinic, and you know, I saw the slew of doctors, had tests, yada yada yada. Everybody said, you know, you're okay. We've done these advanced tests. You're you're all right. You'll ride it out. You'll be okay. Um, It's autoimmune. Well, one morning, my grandfather walked into my bedroom wearing his flannel shirt, favorite pants, and shoes. He sat at the edge of my bed. He put his hand over my stomach and said, your spleen, your spleen. And then he evaporated. He died when I was 12. I wasn't, like, horrified. I was so glad to see him. It was joyful, but it wasn't long enough. Well, I had to go into the other room, and my mom's a registered nurse, and I said, God, where's your spleen? (laughs) I didn't know where in your body your spleen was so um i I went to the doctor and said, "I think I need to have my spleen out. I think something's catastrophically wrong." and he said, "Would you like you know uh no, you're fine. We've had these tests. We won't repeat them Well, a few days later, my grandfather whispered in my ear, and I was you know very wide awake during these experiences spleen, spleen." So I knew a doctor in Orlando, and I drove over there, and I said, you know, I'm I'm going to sound that, you know what, crazy, but um, I told him what happened, and he looked at me, and he said, you know, i practiced medicine for a long time. I believe you, and I believe you enough that let's get that, let's do a splenectomy. Well, long story short, I said, well, when can we have the splenectomy? Will you do it this spring? And he said, how's about Wednesday? when I went to see the doctor, they got in there, my spleen had hemorrhaged, it was a the clot the size of a man's hand. So if you had tapped on my belly or waited another week, I would have bled to death.
1: Oh wow. God. Wow. And you're and all because of your grandfather. That's interesting.
2: Yes. That's if he crucial. hadn't done that, I would have stayed in bed, watched you know, watch some soap operas, taken some more aspirin, which I was taking by the handful. Oh, and God. I didn't and that's an anticoagulant. And I I don't like Tylenol for me, so I take aspirin, and I've taken a lot of them and added to the the bleeding spleen, so he saved my life. But when I woke up from the surgery, it was so horrible, such a miserable surgery. I don't know if he did me a favor. It was a terrible recovery. I got double pneumonia afterwards, and, oh, it was terrible. But what I want to say is that the love that you have with somebody when they die, it is a strong you know they could be dead for you know twenty thirty years. It doesn't matter in this reality. The love is still there, and he reached out from beyond the grave and he saved my life and i I'm so grateful for that. Had I not had the near death experience i don't I doubt if I would have had the ability to perceive him
1: man that's that's just you know my mind's just racing right now because I mean I can only imagine. Uh, it's...
2: He was my guide when I died. My grandfather was oh, really. my guide. Yes.
1: Wow. So he was my guide. Could you elaborate on on your experience from the time it happened, from what you can remember, from start to finish? Could you elaborate on it?
2: Well, you know, not being the most sensible kid, you know, I rode a horse that was way too fast, far above my abilities, and I had a big ego. I thought I could ride this horse. Now, I've been an equestrian my whole life, but coordinated is not an adjective. You would say with Laura Ketlich. So I got on this horse, and I started to race these other two fellas, and I, I knew I was going to fall. I mean, I knew I was losing my balance, and I didn't even hit the ground. I, I was swearing a little bit, I can tell you that. But I didn't even hit the ground. I was taken, lifted, drawn out of my body into this dark corridor, like velvet, you know, it's like you're shooting through space. So I had left my body and, you know, had the near-death experience. Parts of it I remember very vividly, and I can explain it to you. Other parts where when I was returning were just being taken away from me. So I had these great epiphanies, and I saw the truth that when I returned, some of it was almost erased, and I can, like I couldn't take the memory with me. But I was fighting. I didn't want to come back at all. And here I was, 19 years old. I was a pretty, I can say that now because I'm 60. But I was a real pretty girl. And, you know, I had a whole bright future ahead of me. And, you know, I would have hated to miss it. But it, being in uh, the next dimension, the continu- continuation of life is its, it's really great. <laughs> I mean, it's wonderful. It's
0: wonderful, in, it's in wonderful your... great. And Your experience, Laura, is this other dimension that you went to? Okay, because I have my own theories and opinions and mm-hmm. things about you know. But for for what you saw, what 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 do you think? It, it, like, can you explain it to us a little bit? Like how, like what it was for you?
2: Well, sure. Um, sometimes I'm not a good explainer. That's why I wrote all these novels because all of these psychic experiences, near death. I didn't want, I didn't talk about it for 30 years. That's a long time to keep silent. So it bubbled out into novels. Um, that's when I wrote the near-death uh, saga. But I can tell you, um, you know, we live in physical reality, Wolf, and this is a big school we go to. You know, your memories erase erased from all your past lives. You shoot into the physical reality. And life's tough. It's tough for everybody. Nobody skates through life if you live long enough. There's illness, tragedies, war, all of the above. But there's also a great, this is a great, um, exquisite learning school. I mean, it's it's a tough school. And we go through this life and we learn these lessons. And when we die, it's not so much returning home, as everyone says, you know, I didn't have a religious epiphany at all. I'm not saying this mockingly, but I just didn't have it. I had more of a spiritual awakening. But what I realized, like, you know, there are layers or rings, um a different density than physical reality. And most people, when they die, they don't leave physical reality very far. They don't go into the outer rings or what they call the bardos or um you could call them consensus realities and past those if you go past those which most people don't is source is the the source and the source going there is the most mind blowing of all the experiences you could put together i could sit down and i well if i could talk to you for a week and i still wouldn't be able to con, uh convey the joy it's not like i'm not talking about like going to heaven but I'm talking about sources. Really, what all of the personalities of all of your lives? Where still I'm not going to really convey it. It is sort of cloud-like, or you're you're you don't have a physical body. You are a point of consciousness. Yeah. Can I can I elaborate
0: on something? I don't want to yeah. interrupt, but because you're you're struggling a little bit to try to explain what what I've seen. And, and I didn't have a mm-hmm. near death experience, but I have. This is going to sound weird, but every five years, and there's people that uh-huh. are close to me that can attest to this. I have these dreams, and they get really vivid to where it's like almost like when I come out of the dream, it's almost like I don't, I didn't know I was dreaming. It's like, and I relive. I've relived. I'm a believer in reincarnation. And a lot of people are not going to like that when I say that, but it, I yeah. I can tell you right now, I've seen some of my past lives and you know i've i've died over and over again in this in this world but when i have these dreams i'll relive them and i've even had a guide that was kind of showing me and like it was me from the future which is really weird and he's shown me all these different past lives and he says i am you and you're me but we were distinctly two different personalities but we kind of melded together and i could see through his eyes and he could see through mine and i was like yeah. whoa and it was like oh that makes sense but then i immediately woke up and i was like that makes no sense because it makes no sense in this reality yeah. it does not make sense of what you were seeing and what you were experiencing so when you were talking about that that hits home to me and that was one of the questions i was actually going to ask you is if yeah. you believed in past lives and yes i do believe in that Absolutely. And i believe that well i also take it a step further i believe that that christ was actually a teacher. And then I think that one of the things he was trying to teach us was that we are not just born again, you know, like in the spirit people think that in Christianity, that that's all it is. Mm -hmm. I believe that some of the books were taken out of the Bible. And I think that some of it dealt with, with that. And I think that there is spiritual aspect of it. Yeah. I think he was, was even saying that we were born again. Like you must be born again because you don't learn everything. And one of the things I wanted to say to the audience too and I'm not going to take over here Laura I'll I'll give you the floor but I just wanted to say oh, this Oh
2: no no this is fascinating go
0: Well um people okay when my nephew he's actually here in the studio right now he's helping us with the show when he was younger we had a talk and I don't know if you remember this or not you were a little bitty fella and he asked me a question one time about people who it seems like they're winning in life and I don't remember exactly how he he, he worded it but he said you know these people it seems like the rich, powerful people who are making all these decisions for the rest of us that it's like they're, they're winning, you know, but in reality, they're the losers. And and what I mean by that is in this school that we're in of life, being rich and powerful and having control over other people does not make you the winner. It's kind of like when you're in high school and you see these people who it looks like they're just doing really good and they're the popular people. And you see them twenty years later; they haven't changed. They're still spinning their wheels at Walmart and they're in your hometown, and you're off doing so whatever. And you're like, "Wow, that sucks," you know. And but that that's kind of how I look at these people who are like these powerful politicians that are doing all these corrupt, bad things. I'm not going to get into politics or name names or whatever. But you see all these people who are doing these horrible things, and and these horrible dictators and all these other whatever. And it looks like they have, but but in reality, they're the ones that are flunking school.
2: Very, very insightful. That's a very insightful thing. Yes, um, when you trample on, upon other people, when you interrupt their destiny, that's about the, one of the worst things you can do for your own spiritual development.
1: You know, Laura, oh, <laughs> I have to I have to get in on this because this is awesome. Um,
2: I did learn some things, but they were lessons hard, hard-earned. I mean, I saw this room where I had Many lives with, and one side it was all the female lives, with one other side was all the male lives, and I really couldn't get over the idea that I'd be a man. But I thought, my dad, my gosh, I've had so many lives. Gosh, I don't know if I got a whole lot smarter.
1: <laughs> right. And see, I, I had an, ex, well, not an experience. I went many years ago when I first met my wife, and we went and talked to this um, lady who who, um, and I've mentioned this before in a previous episode that uh, she had a gift, and her gift is talking to angels. That's what you know she told me. And of course, she also read, you know, people's uh, the the I guess whatever the 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 color they aura. are, the aura. Uh, yes, that's probably the right word. You know, and she told me I was an indigo, and you know, uh-huh. other things that she told me is she said that I was a first timer, that. My soul, it's the first time on this plane of existence, I guess, for lack of a better word. So therefore, some people are uh, violets, other people are, uh, what is the emerald or a green, a green color, others are yellow colored, and, and I'm probably using the wrong words to de- describe all these Well, that's people. correct. There's blue, you know, there's white, there's- There's you indigos, know. there's crystal children, you know, there's people who are crystal children, golden children, all this other stuff. And so, and of course, you know, with all this being said, is-, is uh, you know i think back on this what a, you know you said you had all these lives that you were looking at on both sides of the aisle and, and i find it fascinating yeah. i find it fascinating because i've listened to this gentleman uh here as of late a lot of what he's you know what he's got to say you know and taking it in his name is billy carson he ha- he's got a website and he's got a channel called forbidden knowledge with the number 4 and of course he Gets to talking about the Emerald Tablets of Thoth, the Egyptian god or Thot, teacher, thought Thoth, Thoth, however you yeah. want to pronounce it, and of course, and in those he is he is known as the thrice born. And long story short is that he had quote unquote conquered death, much the same way that Christ did, and of course, I- according to his opinion, Christ went and left like it's stated in the bible because you know and not to get this all religious or anything but i'm just pointing ah. out that in the bible jesus disappears for 18 years and then yeah. he comes back when he's 30 well a lot, a lot of school of, a lot of people out there in the school of thought out there that traveled says that he east. traveled all over the known world at the time mm-hmm. one of the places that uh, billy carson believes is that he went down to alexandria to study at the mystery schools where thoth or thought was the teacher and then after that, he made his way up to the uh, Indian uh, Indian subcontinent up there to learn the Reiki hand healing and then moved on from there into the Tibetan. The Buddhist, Yeah. yeah. The Tibetan mountains. There's a mountains lot, of, there's a a lot of
0: stuff that says that that, that could be. And then yeah. we were just talking about Alexandria and the burning of the library there because yes. that library burning in Alexandria, I think, destroyed. It gave us amnesia. Yeah. I, that,
1: as, oh, that, well, as as you, there was
2: so much in it in class, yes. Cleopatra's time. The, that was one of the, the, the saddest things that could have happened Ever. with the Alexandria yes. Library to have burned.
0: When I was in college, Lura, there was a professor I had. I talked like I was in college for a long time. <laughs> I was in college for a little while, and they're like, get out of here. You know? <laughs> but uh, I chose to drop out and be successful. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I, I was in college. and then, luck. Yeah, and so I had this professor who was really cool, and he goes, what is the single most important event excluding Jesus and Muhammad because he didn't want people to say a religious – because, of course, me as a Christian, I would have said Christ. But he said, yeah. excluding a religious, you know, Buddha, Muhammad, you know, whatever,
1: Jesus. Any and all those Yeah, he said, excluding figures.
0: religion, you know, what is the single most important event that ever happened that you could think of off the top of your head? And a lot of people were just thinking back to like World War II, World War II and all this stuff. And And I raised my hand and I finally – I just – I just blurted it out. I said, the, the burning of the Alexandrian library. And he says, excuse me, who was that? There's was like 50 kids in there, you know? And he had me stand up and he, he goes, speak it, say it again. And I said, the burning of the library of Alexandria is the single most important thing that ever happened. It was the biggest tragedy. Biggest tra- tragedy, yeah. And he goes, yeah. He goes, yeah, you're, that's awesome. He goes, you're the only one in this whole class. And so then after class, he talked to me and he was like, you, uh, are the only one of all the classes I've had all day who've even, you know, whatever. And he was like, you're going to have a, a bright future in history. Of course he was wrong.
1: <laughs> he was completely wrong. Uh, you, I was yeah, a horrible student. And but yeah, it's, you know, going back to, to your experience and all that other stuff, um, Laura, I find it phenomenally amazing that you were, you know, your experience. You were there. You were experiencing mm-hmm. all these lives, kind of like being able to pull them out of a file and 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 go over them. And of course, going. I, you I know, was shell
2: shocked. I, I was. <laughs> I was a kid. I was shell shocked. And when the, this whole huge event, so many things happened that I couldn't, can't verbalize, but what i was weeping about before i went back into my body before i got resuscitated is that i had to come back because i'd learned so much i'd seen the truth and then i came back to physical reality with a very hard thud and a broken nose and hand and a concussion and everything was bruised from head to toe i was pretty banged up you know when i got you know my way to the hospital i i passed out but i didn't um have another near death experience and I I really grappled with it. Lucky for me, you know, I found some people that I could talk to when I was 25 and got more of a handle on it. I did some reading Robert Monroe's books, William Buhlman's books, and they were very beneficial. And, you know, I did have my grandfather save me, and I have seen, you know, spirits, and there's a lot less fear. So I think that was my big gift, I think, you know, is the... You know, we, we all plan. What are we going to do when we retire? What are, where are we going to live when we're working? What college are we going to? Nobody makes a big plan about the afterlife. They're just like, you know, it's like a throw it in the air and it'll be what it'll be. Well, you have to, you can make plans for the afterlife if you have more information and more focused thought. Because when you die, there's a lot more decis- decisions. It's not a straight shot to heaven or hell.
1: Mm-hmm. I I totally agree, and I've always st- uh, stated, and you know, with Wolf, whenever we have our conversations, that I'm a firm believer that the soul is is, is eternal. It's a small little part of God, the source, whatever you want to call it. I, I call it God yeah. because I, I, you know, I'm a Christian, and you know, so you go back to the source where God is the source of all knowledge of of all lives of all dimensions, and. So on and so forth. I didn't forth.
2: get that far, hon. I didn't get that far.
1: Oh wow, and th- that, but you got a wow. You've got um, you've got quite a distance. <laughs> um, the only you know, it actually brings to mind a, a video I watched about a week or two ago in regards to uh, to this type of near death experience. It was a Vietnam vet, and uh, I just ran across it on the internet, and I think it was kind of. Uh, it was meant to be for lack of better words, and I listened to his account, and he had a near death experience in um when he was in Vietnam, and he got shot down uh long story short, here he is dying, and then he was you know pulled out of his body, and he could see and and he said he you know he experienced God, and the only way he could describe it he said was pure, unadulterated love, and he had the same reaction you did that he didn't want to come back
2: joy joy yes. pure joy and no pain and yes. acceptance and and it's 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 very intoxicating it's very hard to return but you know i was shown what my purpose was didn't like it not happy about it but i ac- accepted it
0: what was your purpose do you know i mean i mean yes. can you tell us
2: um sure um i was shown in pictures and then writing and then um All of a sudden, when I was asking, you know, what is my purpose, I saw uh, a table with an IV bag on it, and I'm looking at it and, and like, not being happy about it, and then I could hear someone say, yes, and a feminine voice, and it written in front of me, and, uh, you know, in cursive, yes. So, I've been struggling with autoimmune disease since I'm 17 uh Not, a, you know, not really good sport about it sometimes, but I was shown that was my purpose. And I always thought it was something else. I thought it was, you know, maybe, you know, uh, uh, a TV show that I want to produce or that uh, I'm an author or that it was my books or or sharing my message. And it wasn't at all. So I was a little shocked, a little disappointed.
0: I always thought that my purpose was to just beat the crap out of people. <laughs> <laughs> and that sounds crazy. But like when I was a kid, I was a very peaceful, calm, and good child. My dad talks about that. He goes, you were such a sweet child. He's like, but you got bullied. And then it just flipped. It was like you flipped. Like the switch flipped on. He's like, you started fighting and you never stopped. And he's like, "And, and but it's weird because I, like me and my brother have talked about it like there's been some people that I've gotten a hold of over the years and just worked them over and they turn out to be the biggest, evilest pieces of crap. And you're just like, wow, is that a coincidence? Cause I didn't beat them up for those reasons, but I did it, you know? <laughs> so <laughs> well, I always wondered like, maybe
2: that's. <laughs> I can't say that I wouldn't have been there to cheery on there.
0: I mean, really? Cause <laughs> there, I'm, there, I'm there were saying... a couple guys that that I ran into over the years though, too. And there was one guy in particular, they called him black magic. And he's a pretty tough guy. And I I ran into him one time when I was working security at a parking garage and he was heading downtown with his, with his, at that time, wife. And he told me something that was kind of profound, I guess, shock, profound, shocking to me that he was like, dude, you changed my life. He's like, before you, I thought that I was the baddest fool on the planet. And he goes, and when you did what you did, he's like, it broke me down. It humbled me. Cause he came back for more and it happened again. And we were both not good people in our lives at that time. And he had this cross on his neck and I I was like, he goes, I go to church. I'm a deacon at much, you know, he was talking about how he turned his life around. He stopped messing with drugs. He stopped all the booze and his, his wife was sitting there and she was like, she goes, she goes, baby, you don't even know, you know, (laughs) she goes, this man here, he was a fool And, and you got a hold of him and you. Whatever, he and, him out. and he he gave me the credit for that, and I was like, wow, you know, I always kind of thought we just, you know, like like just kind of forgot about him, you know, it was a forgotten guy that he dropped out of the scene and went on his own, you know, but apparently went on a journey of like uh, self self discovery and mm-hmm. became a Christian, yeah. Like he did it. He did a three sixty or one eighty, whatever.
2: And people can people even you know within yourself you can do a three sixty. The girl that had the accident at 19 is not the woman at 60 that you're speaking with. You know, I've had all these, you know, life experiences and lessons, some of them painful, some of them joyful, but they were all a catalyst for change.
1: Now, that is definitely something that I can get on board with. And it definitely falls, you know, falls within what I believe life is about, that Plato when he uh, put out his um, his philosophies and everything, you know, of course, he wrote all the stories about Socrates, his teacher, you know, and Socrates- Was in, Aristotle's teacher,
0: and Aristotle was the teacher of Alexander.
1: Right. Which like founded they're, the Alexandrian wow. Library. Yes. Yeah. A little bit of, uh, you know, a little bit of history lesson there, but going back to what I was saying is that the basic gist of Socrates' um, philosophy was to- you know, get to the truth. And when it came to young people at that time, of course, in that ancient Athens, it was focused on the men, you know, his primary goal was to help the young men of Athens become better people. And so I'm a firm believer that it's got to start with the individual and the individual has to want to become a better person than they were the day before and so on and so forth and the most important way to get that done is to take that first step and actually, you know, be honest with yourself and and do some, you know, internal analysis and you know and and figure out what's going on in your life that's not good and figure out what's going on in your life that's positive and focus on the positive and 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 work on eliminating all the negative aspects of yourself. So, yeah, it's it's definitely uh it's definitely a a a journey that we're taking here. All of us, each and every one of us. Oh my
2: gosh, it it, it is, it is.
0: Yeah, Laura, I have a question for you. Um, mm-hmm. do, you do do you because my my buddy Scorp, he's real big into this. Uh, it's a lady that her name is Glennis McCants, and she she does. They call her the Numbers Lady. And she she was on a sh- on a radio show one time, and and my roommate uh, got, at the time he got really into her. And, uh, that's one of his big things is numerology. And a lot of people think it's some sort of, cause it says ology that it's some sort of like weird mysticism or whatever, but it's not really, it's just kind of, you know, what you were born under your life path number kind of, uh, gives a little clue to who you are is what it is. And, you know, uh,
2: I, I wish I was educated on, I have no knowledge whatsoever about, uh, numerology. I'm so sorry to disappoint. Yeah, it, it, you know?
0: Would you give me your birthday? Because I could do your numbers.
2: Yes. August 24th, 1959.
0: August 24th. Um, I
2: know that I'm a Virgo on the cusp. I don't know what that means, but I am a Virgo on the cusp. I feel like the cat that's had nine lives, too, you know, surviving an accident at 19 where I shouldn't have. And I at 34, I should have perished from the hemorrhaged spleen. So I, I feel like I'm on my, you know. a lucky cat. (laughs) I
1: I think that you're, uh, you know, I, I think that you're, you're right where you need to be as far as I'm concerned. And this is another, you know, those two major events in your life are, you know, are two big catalysts or examples of two big catalysts you've had in your life. So as far as looking at them in a manner, which you, it just, takes you aback i i think you should you 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 know you're looking at them the right way as as far as their catalyst they've helped you become the person you are today i always try to look at everything in a positive and i feel
2: manner. and i have the gratitude because you know i am not um a saint or overly religious but i'm deeply spiritual yes and i totally believe in you know when i leave the house even if i'm not feeling good or in a bad mood i try not to take it out on anybody i try to be as nice as i can to others, and to lead more of a, to be a kinder person. I don't always make it, believe me, because I can have a bad temper, but it's something I'm, you know, working on. When I stepped out of the shadows 10 years ago and, you know, was on television and doing radio shows and having uh, the paranormal uh, teams come to my house, I just thought, you know, why not own it? Why not tell the truth? And maybe people could read my books and, and where I really go into detailed explanation of life after death and near-death experience and sometimes the connections to uh, to ghosts.
1: Wow. No, I, I just find that really interesting that, you know, you should say that because there are those out there who believe that, and, and I, I I put some stock in it. I haven't researched it as much as I would like to, but there's the vibrational frequencies. Every human being on the planet and every animal, every living creature, for lack of better words, has a vibrational frequency. And of course, we as human beings, you know, the goal is to vibrate at a higher frequency. And one way, in my opinion, to do that is to always look to the positives and everything and try to keep a positive attitude uh, about yourself on a daily basis, especially during those times, like you said, when you're just not, you know you wake up in the morning and you're just not feeling it it's just not happening you know those are the those are the trying times, but staying positive and and, and like you said don't take it out on anybody on anyone that that's you know that's operating on a higher frequency, which is the preferred way of doing things because the higher the frequency the more i guess you could say the more access the more the more you'll be in tune with that otherworldly source that you mentioned earlier?
2: Yes, I think so. Uh, You know, I've always come to my own conclusions. I've done some reading about the paranormal, not extensive, because I didn't want it to overshadow my own novels, but, you know, I'm a seeing, seeing is believing, but when I had the camera crews at my house and the photographers and they were able to take pictures of orbs right around me, and you know i feel like i've got you know like a little uh my own cheerleaders my own support group on the other side that you know i think we all do i just think that the veil is a little bit thinner after an nde but it was it, it was very very um you know i had five paranormal teams they didn't know each other uh they all came over at different times to my farm and ran experiments and everybody had class a evps they you know, videoed tapes of uh, uh, orbs and um, some very, very you know, hard evidence.
1: Now, I do have a question in regards to where your farm is at. Do you know if it sits anywhere near any of the ley lines that that cover the planet, for lack of better words?
2: I don't even know what a ley line is. All I knew is I built it. <laughs> it was a brand new house. You know, it didn't have a history, didn't have anything like that. But, you know, I had that those um, paranormal investigators at that house. But this happens every place I live. I was down in Florida for a few years, um, and I had a t- uh, two teams of investigators in, in 2017 come to my house. And, again, positive findings.
1: Wow. Then they must be attached to you. Following. Following you, yeah. A beak, and, you're a beacon. You're light. a beacon, yes.
2: Yeah, I, I was just so straight, you know, for years I didn't talk about it. I just wrote about it in my novels, when I incorporated real paranormal things that had happened to me or uh, encounters in every one of my books, and my books flowed out of me. I didn't even sometimes know how I wrote them because, you know, I never considered myself an author. The first book I thought was a fluke. The second one was it was, you know, by the time I did number three, I realized, you know, I had a All these things had been inside me for so long. It was like an outlet to explain step-by-step a near-death experience, astral projection, what it's like to see an orb, what it means, some of the messages you could receive. You know, I got to be creative, but I really kind of stuck to truth.
1: I think that's wonderful. I think that was probably um, part of what it was you were meant to do here on this plane of existence
2: yeah I hope so i mean i had a i liked writing it was intense it took ten years, and I've got another one that I'm gonna do. My book series is called the Near Death Saga and they're all over the internet, you know, like on Amazon and stuff um if anybody wants to read them, you know email me on facebook your feedback i I'd love to I'd love to hear it yeah before before we to, go
0: i'm sorry Laura good I'm sorry oh, no no, no, I'm sorry I was just gonna say before we Go, would definitely put your email out there. Laura, Laura folks has done a lot. I mean, it's like I said, it's very vast. She's she's an author. She's she's made a movie. You were you were, you were on uh my ghost story.
2: Yeah, I was on that twice in an Inside Secret America.
0: Yeah. So you've been around and so we are just trying to, you know, feed off of some of your greatness. Give it to us. No, I'm just I'm just kidding. Oh, no, you're no.
2: so kind. You guys are <laughs> just a hoot. Well, I, I really like your show because, you know what, I, what I, what I like to do about these shows because I think the more information people have and it's, it's positive and more explanation, I think, uh, you're, it's a le- whole learning curve that we're all on. You know, you don't get a handbook before you die. No. That's you know, correct. you know, there's not the instructions, uh, or, 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 blueprints, but it, when you talk to other people, and I, I've learned a lot from others, uh, it gives you a general idea and let it go of the fear and opening up your heart is essential. But one of the things I did want to share guys with you, the biggest message that I received or, or epiphany that I had when I died was how important the true value of being kind, of loving, and being the antithesis of selfish or greedy or mean, but to to try to really generally be a good person. I'm not talking about a saint. You're not allowed to be Mother Teresa, but to have an open heart that has love and not bitterness. And, you know, those are the gifts you bring with you when you die. This is what carries over, and this is what really has the most value.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think that there's a lot of people. We were talking, me and Sal, the other day, and pretty much everybody that's in the studio right here can test this. We were talking about this. And I'm a big, uh, uh, Chris. I like Halloween a lot, but I like Christmas too. And But the thing I like about Christmas, and this is going to sound weird to some people, but some people are going to relate to it, I like the giving aspect of it and i'm not saying that because i want people to hear me go oh look that guy's good i really don't care if you think i'm good or not i'm just that's what i like i enjoy giving and and i enjoy doing things for people because there there's something that that i don't know man when you give to somebody and they weren't especially when they weren't expecting it and they're they're so appreciative you know of of something nice that you went out of your way to get for them every year we we try to we get meat like steaks and we, we pass them out to people and we do it every year. And, and so there's a lot of people out there. You'd be shocked at how many people, and I'm talking to the audience here who don't eat steak. They don't eat ribeyes throughout the year. They don't have that kind of money to, uh, so me and my guys that work with us, we get together every year. We've done it for the past, I think eight years and we get I don't think, I think last year, how many pounds was it, Anthony? Like almost 200 pounds or something. It was ridiculous, man. It was crazy. And we gave it out to a lot of people who just normally would not have that, you know? And so we do that every year. We give out hams, you know, and things that people don't normally have. And so, you know, it's gotten kind of to, to the point now to where those people, they wait for that, you know, at Christmas time, because they, they, that's, that's, that's all they're going to get. And I, it's sad it's unfortunate, but it makes their Christmas and they, and they are able to experience the Christmas, uh, you the know, spirit, the spirit what it's supposed King. to be for yes. is giving. Yeah. Cause so many people are complaining like, I hate Christmas. I hate Christmas. You know why you hate Christmas? Because you feel pressured, uh, to give and you don't want to give. That's all it is to it. And mm-hmm. it's gotten commercialized to so where it's like, yeah, buy all this expensive stuff and go into debt. You don't have to go crazy and, and whatever, but but I hate when people say, I can't afford to give anything to anybody this year. Really? Because if you had $5, you could take a dollar and go down to the dollar store and get somebody something, your mom, your dad, somebody, give them something. You know, because I think that, that giving is where is where, you know, and I'm not talking about just giving physical. Give your time. Yes. Give your energy to people. Be yeah. of service. Yeah.
2: A generous heart, you know, a generous heart with good intentions. It's priceless, and that's really what matters most. You know, I was very, very shocked, you know, with uh, my near-death experience. Didn't handle it well, but, you know, I was a 19-year-old kid. But seeing it from the perspective, it really uh, taught me, you know, what is the value? What is the value of things? And it's not material stuff.
0: No, not at all. And what you were
2: saying earlier about how... Some some rich people, you know, CEOs that go out and they they sell uh, a poisonous medical device that'll hurt people, and they they trample everybody to get to the top, and so that they can control and have this money. What a hollow life! What a awful heart you have to have that you're heartless, really. What a a dreadful human being that is at the end of the day.
0: That's the Scrooge story because the Christmas, the Christmas carol is one of my favorites because it shows you – now, okay, now we were talking about life paths. Laura, I wanted to, to show you something. I, I thought you might find this interesting. One of the things I learned about my life path is I'm a seven, okay? And not, and not only that, but I was born 7, 14, and I was born at 7 o'clock, and I have, I have like a bunch of sevens. And so supposedly the more sevens oh. you have, the more spiritually in tune you are or whatever – and I've always felt that like when we were talking before me and you, we had talked, on. I never felt like I was alone. I've always felt like there was something there with me, but I would, I would sense good things and I would sense bad things and I could feel them and I could feel things that were just angry and evil in places I would go. I mean, like I could be playing with a friend at, a, at their house and I would see things, you know, and I would just be like, I gotta go. I can't be here. Um, I think you're born with that. And and so the seven is supposedly the spiritual teacher, whatever. I know that one of the things that I learned about myself, like I was saying about giving, that's one of the things that when you're on the right side of your seven life path that, that you 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 give. Now, I never really delve too deep into a lot of the other life paths. I know eights are very good at, at, at making money, and that can be good or bad, like we talked about. It's always a double-edged sword. It's about what you do with it. It's what you do with it. Yeah. And so when we're talking about the sevens, I had a a great uncle who was very much on the negative side of his seven. Now I know that the sevens are supposedly, they either believe strongly in God or they ego and they think they're God. And you have to, you have to walk that line because you know, you always feel like, you know, a lot more than others, but it's not for you to, um, it's what you do with that knowledge. You know what I mean? Like how you go about treating people and what you do. And I'm, I'm I'm a big believer in that. And I think that the sevens can get carried away with their own, um, uh in attun- attunement, spiritual attunement, or whatever being attuned to the things,
1: kinda like some doctors get into a god complex, because yeah they're because surgeons. they're they're
0: so good at what they do, yes, and it's like and then I know that I remember listening to the lady that that wrote the books or whatever, and my roommate was always talking about it, and but he i i read i listened to 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 her talk once, and she'd said that sevens were not actually from here that they're from another place, but that they they spend several lifetimes here and then they leave now. Sal was talking about being an indigo, whatever you're being a new person, a new soul. I can see that as you being so curious and and so fascinated with everything that it, it it's it's infectious when you're around. So like a
2: novelty, yeah. yeah.
0: It's really cool because you're 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 a very uh, fascinated person. You're very you know.
1: Well, I I'm one of those people that like much like you, Laura. Um, I li- I've you know, I think in a very linear fashion as far as you know, subscribing to logic and reason. I subscribe to logic and reason. I'm very much a pragmatist. Pragmatic. There Because you go. the pragmatist does things because, oh, this works. And and there's a good reason behind it because at the end of the day, you don't want a negative outcome from what it is that you're doing. You want a positive outcome. So the pragmatist will do that.
0: So here, here, here's what I figured out. L- Lura, the, your, your life path number is a two. Now, if Anthony did the, uh, the numbers right, which, you know, he's, he's not, he's not that smart. So he might not, I'm just, he's <laughs> uh, looking at me like I'm, I'm just kidding. Anthony, you know, what you're a very two? smart what is kid.
2: This is very interesting. So it says what here, it this
0: is one of the, the, uh, things that Anthony pulled this up for me. And it says life path. Number two is a vibration of duality and division. The number of tr- of truth and learning those with life path. Number two are more likely to seek harmony and peace. And are symbolized by relationships, cooperation and being considerate and thoughtful of others. People with a life path too are natural peacemakers because they see all viewpoints in any situation. they handle difficult situations with grace and tend to be persuasive rather than forceful when trying to get their point across. People may often look to them to be a mediator in any argument. Twos tend to be very loyal and they welcome companionship and the chance to share their lives with someone special. They are more sensitive to others and have the ability to truly listen. Twos are sincere, honest, and open and see the best in people. But because of their sensitivity, gentleness, and loving spirit, or no, it says, it says because of their sensitivity, gentleness, and loving spirit, they make an excellent friend or lover. Your compassion and caring for other people also may cause you to deny your own needs in favor of the needs of others, which can also lead to feelings of resentment and anger. And if you feel threatened or pushed to the wall, you can become terrible. Uh, the terrible two. However, ultimately, you do not want conflict. Few things, few things be wary if your life path number is a two, as your sensitivity can also in some ways be your downfall. Many people with a life path of two are overly sensitive, shy, and afraid to speak their minds. Because you are afraid of being hurt, you may avoid confrontation and hold back your opinions. This can cause you to have trouble contributing to a group and may make you feel resentful, because you were withholding your ideas and contributions. Now, here's the interesting thing about that. You, before you, you know, some of those things may or may not have been you before you had the near-death experience and be, and having that near-death experience may have opened you up to be more on the positive side of your number. That's just maybe my opinion. I don't know. I don't know if I'm that nice of a person. Well, you know what? The fact that you can look and say, then know that and say that because a lot of people like to believe that they're good people and they don't come to terms with like me, I've, I've come to terms with the fact that a, a part of my life, I dwelt in the darkness and I did dark things and I wasn't supposed to be on that dark side, you know, and I had an ego and I had this, um, people accuse me of that now, but it's just me being honest, being blunt, blunt, just completely blunt, honest, I just, you know, w- had a, had this abilities that a lot of people didn't. I could do things and and you know, I was always good at whatever I tried and and whatever. And so I thought, well, I'm, I'm an amazing person and I'm just and I became arrogant and I became um um uh, just not a good person, you know, and you have to bring yourself back. You know, and I thank God that he gave me the opportunity to be able to bring myself back into balance because God humbled me. I mean, I'm I'm not going to lie, he humbled me. I mean, it was me um, having an epiphany, I guess you want to call it. I saw my, my grandmother in a dream that was very vivid and she was in a place where it was, she was not happy with me and I'd never seen her look at me that way. And she was ashamed of me, you know? And so it brought me to my knees and then I dropped everything I was doing, turned my life around. And I struggled for a couple of years. I was just spending my wills and I kept thinking, what am I doing? God, what am I doing? And then I was I was I crying. You know, like I'm not a big crier, but I was crying. I was in my truck one day and I'm just like, I have nothing. I gave up everything. I went from having a name and being somebody to being a nobody. And and I kept questioning that and like, did I do the right thing? And God doesn't doesn't you don't pick up the phone and call God and tell him what are you doing with me, God? That doesn't work. So he just let me spin my wheels until I got over my pity party and then I picked myself up and I just said, You know what? Whatever my future holds, that's what it holds. Whatever is my destiny, that's what my destiny is. And once I finally accepted it, then things started to fall into place. When I quit trying to force it, you know, the change just came and it, and then it just opened up. I, I got a good job um, making more money uh, doing what I was doing legitimately, you know, <laughs> and I became, um, I guess, a, a semi-successful person. I mean, I had a good business and I was honest. I made an honest living, and I did things correctly. And I've ever since. I've just. I've been very passionate about keeping people away from crime and being in criminality and doing underhanded and nefarious things. It may seem like a quick, easy way to whatever, but like my Jehovah used to always say, that money is no good. It's salted. It's. It doesn't do anything for you. You know. It'll. It'll. It'll go through your hands, and it's gone. And then you got to go get more, and that energy you're using, you're burning all that uh, that that negative energy to get those things. It doesn't last. And like I said, those people are the ones that are flunking school.
2: Oh my gosh, you could hit the nail on the head. You've got the wisdom of a hundred year old man. You got it.
0: Well, I I, I appreciate you saying that. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like a a two a, year a old man because you know, but like no, I, you've I got just the
2: wisdom of a very very person that truly grasps and sees the value in life it's very rare that a lot of people just don't and you you really have it
0: it's perception i I always taught my nephews i raised three of them you know they weren't my kids but i I, they're like my sons i raised them and and i told them I'd, i'd tell them you know like look guys it's perception. Perception is the key that unlocks the power of the spirit. Without perception, you're nothing. I mean, you can't perceive if you don't perceive it. And I take it to another step that you should not only perceive, but you should be able to perceive what others are perceiving, you know? You have to do that because that's how you see the world, you know? Like that's that's what gives you the entire picture because I think everybody is kind of staring at this big picture and and they're just too close to it. And when you step back and you take a look at you're like, "Oh, I was just looking at a little corner of it," you know? And I think that that's important. That's very important. And I, you know.
2: But but if you go through life and you're trying and you're always trying to seek and to grow and you're doing your best, you know, and you may be in in this world it, we're all come in at different levels and different life experiences, but I think as long as you try, you know, you're on the right path, but there's so many you don't even think that way. Their whole, the tide has gone the other way. And, uh, I really kind of pity those people.
0: You have to, I mean, there's no, I, I know that there is, a, I don't want to say the person's, you know, but there's a person that's very close to me and she is in conflict with a couple other people that are close to her or were close to her. And she's, she's angry, in the way that they're not really getting justice done to them for what they have done. And I told her, one of the things that you got to do, this friend of mine, I told her, I said that, that you got to look at it like, okay, one of them in particular is a very lonely person and, and very sad person. That, like Like me, I have a wife, I have... My son, I call my sons my nephews. Mm -hmm. You know, I have my 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 brother who's who had a lot of health issues. Things he's come back from it. I've come back from. We've got we've got a lot to be thankful for. That person, she has nothing. I mean, she may seem like she's in she has power and she's got something, but she's a very hollow and lonely existence. At the end of the day, it's just sad. I was like, you pity those people, and I pity the people that that didn't. You know, there were times when I was doing the security job. I was working at a parking garage and there were these guys that were doing, and and this was me being mean, I guess I could say. It was when I'd first come out of my old life and, and these guys were doing something they shouldn't have been doing. And here's what I thought. I thought I could stop these guys and that would be them learning the lesson. But it, I was so angry and so disgusted at their behavior that I was like, I'm just going to let life sort it out. And later on, they're going to do that to the wrong, whatever. At the wrong place, wrong time. And, and, and it's going to destroy them. And I thought, why am I? And, and then later on, I thought, that was horrible. Yes. That was horrible on my part because I'm literally sitting there knowing that that's what's going to happen to those people. And I'm I'm, I'm kind of feeling happy that, that I know that that's going to happen. And that's not correct. Right. What I should have done was corrected their behavior, which I could have.
1: Or at least brought it to their attention. Brought her
0: attention and then they, maybe down the road, it would have saved them some heartache. But I was actually so angry at that point in my life at everything that was happening because I had no control that I was actually wanting that to happen to them. And, and I foresaw that happening to them. And I don't know if it's, you know, just my imagination or legit, but you can't do that. You can't do that folks. And I'm telling you, you have to, you don't go around intervening and trying to save the world. Okay. You're not Gandalf the gray or whatever, you know, Gandalf all, the white, the white. Yeah. <laughs> all you can do Is do your part. And when you see somebody doing something, you can give them the advice, you know.
1: It's up to them to take it.
0: It's up to them to take it. I had an old timer tell me one time, you know, he said, you're big and tough and you're bad and you got all these people that are, you know, whatever. He's like, but this is nothing. He, he snapped his fingers. He goes, it's over like that. And then you're an old man like me. He's like, and then you, and then you look back and all you got is some memories. He goes, and then when you go and you die, what does it all mean? Yeah. And I, and I just kind of laughed it off, but you know what? Those words stuck with me, and I remember his face when he told me that. I mean, he's probably dead now. He was an old man then, but mm-hmm. I just thought, yeah, yeah, because you, when you're young, you think you know everything. You're 10 and foot and you, tall and bulletproof. And everybody has their opinion of what's going on and their belief or whatever, and they'll fight you tooth and nail to to, to stay, you know, to hold on to that. Yeah. But I, you,
1: that's, that's normal, too. You're
0: con- constantly learning, though. Yeah. You're constantly learning. You can't stop wow. learning.
2: Explain something. Let, let's say there's two there's uh, two lives you could have. Let's say you have the vanilla life where you you're middle class, things come easy. You have a nice marriage, everything kind of goes with the flow. There's no real trauma. You're just an average Joe. You have this vanilla life, and uh, let's say you have the other life. It's a strawberry life, and you you have adversity, and you have big adversity, and you have challenges and you have disappointments and you have triumphs and you have a uh, the roller coaster of life you're going to learn more in the and and not being the vanilla life yes you're going to learn more from adversity than you are going to have and have those that knowledge to take with you and that you know when you return to source uh and when you die you'll have so much more learning in more value and more depth if you've always trying to overcome the adversity and lead a rich life. So the person that you know has the vanilla life and it looks easy, uh maybe they're not having uh the experiences that they could.
1: I I I totally agree with with uh what you're saying Laura because it, they uh when you think about uh when you think about athletes and all these other people that um, do a sport such as uh, think of the power lifters that, that lift weights. You know, a lot of those guys, if they didn't push themselves and challenge themselves on a daily basis to become bigger and stronger to be the strongest they could be on a daily basis, then they wouldn't be champion weightlifters, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. You know, for people in general in life, it's it's those those, uh, you know, those obstacles that get in your way. It's It's what do you do with them? Do you just stop and just sit still and, and refuse to go any further because this obstacle is, uh, you know, is in your way? Or do you find a way around it, over it, under it, around it? And, of course, like you said, the, the strawberry life, yeah, you're going to get a lot of those thrown at you. But at the end of the day, the personal growth should be there. And you, yeah, know, and,
2: and you have the vanilla life and you maybe you could have been a great author or a great musician, but you never really tried. You didn't have to.
0: Yeah, you didn't have to. Those are the people who never had to. Yeah, And yeah. that's... Uh, and, and what about the chocolate life? <laughs>
2: I don't know. I just made up the strawberry part. <laughs> that's probably but, uh, full you of, know, a lot there of is some people that had a vanilla life. You know. Yes,
1: yes, there are. There are well, lots. Well, of
0: Laura, Laura, you said that, uh, kind of a joke there, but but the, but the, what about a chocolate life where your life is just really, Completely. really, just complete misery? Because I work at a place right and right now. I least, don't think
2: anybody benefits from. You yeah. know, having a, a tragic life or horrible, horrible things. I've never got that part of uh, uh, the the earth learning lesson experience, you know. Um, you know, people that are born with starving children and stuff, I can't see the benefits in that. I'm not that enlightened.
0: Yeah, because I, I, I live in a place, I mean, I live, I'm sorry, I work in a place where these people... They they live day to day. They don't really. They're they're. There's not
1: much planning going on for for the. They don't have.
0: Yeah. They they're not. Yeah. I'm telling you, they're very poor, you know, and they don't have a whole lot, and it's it's uh it's hard at times because you see them struggle to pay rent that is like very low, you know what I mean, and it's like they're they're not their electricities are getting cut off all the time, and it's. It's hard. It's hard to sit there and watch, and then you you see some of the good ones that are trying so hard, and then they they just keep getting pulled down. And um, it's a struggle to sit there and go and you know work, and then come home and try to try to like not think about it. And yes. go on. It's hard because try to relax. and you try to help as many people as you can. Actually, today I tried talking to this young guy mm-hmm. who's been getting mixed up with the wrong people, and I told him I said, "You may look at me and think that we're two different people, but we're not." Because I was you at one time. I spent time in youth facilities when I was young. I did a lot of bad things. And I didn't grow out of it for a while. I mean, it wasn't until I was in my late twenties that I figured out what a knucklehead I really was, what a stupid person I was. And everybody looked at me as like this big bad figure, you know, like, ooh, this is this guy's cool. Because we put people that are not good on pedestals in this yeah, society. And I was up on a pedestal. I was I was this um gangster, you know, and they were like, Look at this guy, man, this guy's good. And I thought I was somebody, but the, 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 uh, emotional wreck that I was inside and the pain that I felt inside was just, just almost unbearable. And so I tried talking to this guy and tried to explain to him that there is another world out there outside of this bad neighborhood and things that you're doing. And I don't know if I reached him or not, you know, but like he was actually moving, he's leaving that neighborhood. And I told him, I said, don't stick in this, stick around this area. You have opportunities. You don't have to be stuck in this, you know, whatever. Yes. And and so hopefully, you know, he'll change. I'm going to pray for him. I think he was a good kid. I think he just got mixed up with the wrong people. But I, 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 I look at, at these people who um, my nephew here we we're talking about, he had a friend who was handed everything. I mean, by the time this kid was 16, he had a nice brand new vehicle. Yeah, he was one of those kids. <laughs> wow. He's still living at home. Never, doesn't have to do much. Didn't kind of piddled around with college and still hasn't done anything. And he's always been handed everything. And my nephew is the opposite. He's had to struggle. I, I know. Even when he came here and I was doing well, I didn't give him. You know, I made him work for it. Now, now he's running my company. But you look at at him and you look at the contrast between him and the other kid like who's actually benefiting you know the kid that's not having to do anything you know his friend that didn't do nothing who's still in that home, our hometown who doesn't do anything who's never had to do anything or my nephew who had to struggle and and who's actually you know now he's mm. going to school to be an architect
1: he's living the vanilla life
0: yeah well that, that no, their kid yeah. is yeah, yeah. but no, no, no. And, and so and so and I let Anthony kind of struggle too because I couldn't just be there I couldn't it's hard yes you know to sit there and watch your kid struggle but You got to let them do it because that that is the learning they have to learn, and I see you doing that too, Sal. With uh, you know, my kids. (laughs) Yeah, you got you got to let them kind of you know work it out because if not, then you're you're just giving them a crutch, you know.
1: That's uh, that unfortunately is what appears to be happening a lot more in society today, or it's mm -hmm. happened to these young young adults.
0: They have no concept at all, but they'll they'll tell you they'll proselytize to you all day about how they. Heck, they'll pontificate to you, like you know, you're, you yeah, this is how you know, and like there's a a cop that came out there and was talking to me. He's 26 years old, and he's trying to tell me how to do my job. And I'm going like, what? you know, you're half my age, son, you know, and you're telling me how to do my job, and you're just letting this person who was a very bad guy, he was letting this person um, get away with what he was doing. And I'm like, you're, you're, you're really, you're just serving this guy up you know, because, you know, something really bad's going to happen to him because you're not, you're not doing your job. You'd rather just tell me how to do my job. And so, you know, that's kind of what I did when I was his age. And when I thought back on, I went home that night and I reflected on it. And I remember I was about his age when I sat there and let those guys do what they were doing. And I remember thinking they're going to get what's coming to them. And I thought it was cute, you know, to just let them do it. And and I thought that's not correct. You know, and so in our society.
2: Hindsight you know we're, we we ha- you know we learn from our mistakes we're always going to make mistakes i mean i've made mistakes so big you could drive a truck through the middle of them i'm sure <laughs> you know
0: but you've done a lot but- though in your life that's the thing i mean and you and when you were talking to me Laura about
2: mm-hmm.
0: you couldn't even explain like what it's like you know when you were on that other side you know, and I having had visions of it in in dreams and things like that, I couldn't even come close to what you or my mother.
2: Oh, I felt wonderful. Yeah, it, it was felt a crazy experience. Wonderful. I mean, it is the most intoxicating list, but it's it's a goodness. It, you know, it's uh, you know, I, I look forward to it when, when it when it is my time to get to be there. You know, I know that if I Navigate things right, but the thing is, when you die and you go into uh, the other dimension, there's a lot more choices that I really never saw coming.
0: What do you there's think though about people who are not good? Though I, I don't want to say not good because we're not. It's not for us to judge. They lead but a um, negative life. Yeah, somebody who's a very okay. Let me just give you an example of a very dark person, like a like a uh-huh. a, a, mur- a murderer or a, a rapist or somebody who's done bad things. I mean, and, and unrepentant too, unrepentant, bad person. Uh, they die. What do you, in your opinion, think happens oh, I to think that? Person? It's,
2: it's, I think that they stay in the lower rings in the astral. And I think that, uh, it's not good. Yeah. It's not, 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 not a happy place. That's um, why it's really important to work your problems and your attitude out while you're alive. Then think that when you die, you're going to just sprout, uh, sprout wings and uh, um, a halo and Go learn up the all information. Gates. <laughs> it's just a continuation of existence. And if you have a bad attitude, you're taking it with you. That's really interesting. But there's also, when you, when you die, there's also, there's other souls waiting to help you heal. Like, um, there, there's, you know, for the mentally ill people, there's other other Things that will, you know, take them to these great places of of healing and recovery. Like, I, the best thing I can equate it to is a hospital.
1: Oh, uh, you know, I find it really interesting, Laura, that um, that that all these guides are there to help you once once you pass from this, you know, uh, flesh vessel that we live in. And I'm a personal believer that our souls, which are eternal that you know they move on to the next plane of existence i believe that we're trapped you know in in our bodies and we're unfortunately um we're subject to the those biological constraints and some of those people who have mental uh you know they have mental issues it's because the 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 body was geared that way and of course the soul is stuck inside this body so they have to work with what they got for lack of better yeah. words and pretty I really, awful. Yeah, it is. And, but again, in the grand scheme of it all, I, I do agree with you that that's part of the, the strawberry life that you have to live. And, you know, and of course, some people yeah. get streamlined into a vanilla life. And then of course, after that, well, it's up to, up to the individual at the end of the day to decide whether they want to, um, enlighten themselves and, 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 Really, figure out what it is. Bring themselves up. Yeah, that, that's going to help them raise, you know, raise their vibration up to the next level, and that allows me. With that being said, this allows me to segue into the question for you: Is that have you read the the book called "The Law of a"? Atro- oh, excuse me, "The Secret" by Rhonda Byrne.
2: I think I skimmed over that. Is that about the law of attraction?
1: Yes, it involves the law of attraction. Yes, ma'am.
2: I think there's some real wisdom in that. I, I can't, it was a long time ago that I, I read part of it. And, uh, there is, there is some wisdom in that. But one of the things I have to say, you know, when you do die and when you do exit, imagine a vastness that is, 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 you know how you look at these pictures, the multiverse. Yes. You know, all the planets and stars and stuff like that times a zillion is what is in non-physical reality. I mean, it's a vast, vast place and um, it's huge. So you you can travel like with thought, you know, Uh. you concentrate, you know, and you can go to a place where your loved ones, your relatives are. And like minded people, let's they create their own consensus reality, uh, so to say, um so there's a lot of different places, but you know, having the right mind before you die is essential, but people that are ill, like the schizophrenics and you know they're just like walking tragedies. there's great places of healing for these people, so they can, they can shed those limitations. It's not a a forever thing, but like attracting like. There's a lot to be said with that there really is it I'm not a good explainer of it you know i'm i'm it's hard to explain things that you're shown that and then you take it back and you try to explain um, correct
1: yes yeah it, you're to. not the first i <laughs> I will say this and i have i've i've seen I've seen quite a few shows on near death experiences and and people you know are saying the same thing you are virtually that uh Trying to explain the 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 infinite vastness of what is that you know that level of or excuse me that that plane of existence where you went it's it's amazing it, you know and all of them pretty much say that it's that there's no way they can put it into words our language is so diminished compared to you know to as far as diminished and underdeveloped in order to try to explain the vastness. And thank you because you
2: really hit the nail on the head, like when you travel like you're going, you're zooming through these layers. It's like you perceive layers of color, but it's like different dimensions and different densities, like physical reality and the more the more you travel inward, the less dense it becomes, and you lose your arms and legs, and you're become a point of consciousness that can see all around. I mean, yeah, like in all directions, yes, yes, yes,
1: omnidirectional. Yeah, that's that's amazing. Can I ask a question, L- Laura
0: and Sal? Yeah. I, you too, because I don't know if I've ever asked you this, Sal. And, I, and you guys, I have a question. This is a very interesting conversation for me. I'm enjoying this a lot. And but here's something my aunt, one of my aunts, um, she's an aunt by marriage, but but she is a clinical psychologist. and We've traded books back and forth and, and opinions and read stuff. I read a book called the, uh, it was called the Psycho- the sociopath next door or the psychopath next door. I can't remember, but it, it you know, and and one of the th- and one of the opinions that I've kind of you know developed over the years is that when someone is born a sociopath, like they don't have any, they don't
1: have any mechanisms to hold them back from. from
0: yeah, well, well, there's no, there's no, uh, they don't have any empathy that they too. don't empathize at all.
2: No conscience.
0: They don't have a conscience at all. Here's what I mean. And I, just the other day, I was talking to my wife about this, and I told her, I said, I honestly believe that those people are born beyond redemption. I think that it's not an accident that they are born into that mind, into that body. I think that there are dark souls that are that come back, you know, and they are just here. Um. I know, I know nowadays there's like these terms like NPC, they call them non-playable characters
2: or whatever. <laughs> yes, uh,
0: it's a video game term, Laura, but people like my nephews, they use that term for somebody who just doesn't do, I'm talking just doesn't do anything, you know? They, they can't think for
1: themselves. They, yeah. They're, 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 they're just, just like there, you know? They're like almost, think of them kind of like robots programmed only one way. That's they it. They can't do yeah. anything yeah. outside. Yeah. yeah. And, and so the sociopathy
0: of that, or I guess, is that the correct word to say this? The, Sociop- the, the, patho- the pathology behind yeah, it? The patho- yeah, the path. Yeah, it's, it's, it's weird because they're, they're sociopathic. And I've, I've, I've dealt with some people like that. I mean, I've absolutely dealt with people like that that have sat there and told me of unspeakable things that they have done. You know, I don't know if these people are being honest or not, but I mean, you're just going like this person's talking about. Doing something horrible, like it would just be like you're talking about doing your taxes and or, or and,
1: having your nails done at that at that, yeah, uh, like it's like off. nothing, I mean, they, you know they it's they like it was a little tedious, but I did it, you know, and yeah. and, and, and Say it just that again,
2: yeah, they don't progress, they'll be in the lower uh rings after death, it's not a good place i would i guess it's a it's sort of a version of hell but it's a hell they create for themselves. For themselves.
0: Why were they born that way though? I mean, because, because science oh, no. tells us that they're born that way. And, and in my belief, okay, I believe that the reason they're born that way is because it's a punishment from the past. There, and there's no redemption. They can't be redeemed in this life because there's no other point to them. No other point to them at all. Like, okay. In this book that I was reading, there's a wreck that happens on the corner, right? And all these people are standing around and there's a person who's been killed. Now, you, me, Sal, we're going to be like, whoa, that's, you know, oh my gosh, that person is dead and, and you feel something, you know, some kind of horror towards it, you know, and it's awful and it makes you feel bad. Well, these people are just sitting there looking at it, right? They can look at our emotions and they can see that we feel bad, but they don't feel anything and it, it's foreign to them. It's alien to them for them to even look at, they can, and then they can learn to mimic our emotions and be like us because I've been around people who can do that. And they'll tell you that they can do that, but that's not real. It's not a real. are uh, really feeling it. They're not feeling anything. They don't feel a thing. They they could kill a, a pick up a cat and choke it, and they you know it's like it's nothing. They They're don't like, feel anything. Yeah,
2: you know, like a Dexter. Yeah. Yeah, yes. like
0: yeah. Okay, De- there you go, Dexter. I was watching that that show, The Shield, mm-hmm. and and mm-hmm. you know that there was this guy on there, uh, detective. Um, I think his name was Tag Wagenbach or whatever. And he we were just watching it the other day. I was my wife, we're almost done with it. It's a good show. If anybody hadn't seen it. I might it. have to ch- check it out. You gotta check it out. It's an older show, but it's good. Right. And so there was a scene where this guy he had he had hunted down the serial killer and he was just trying to figure out what made this guy tick. And he picked up a cat and just it was so weird. Like he choked it and then he felt like this horror, you know, at what he'd done. And he was trying to he was trying so hard to get into this.
1: The like, psyche of this guy. Yeah, but huh?
0: and, and there's just no way to do it. I mean, you know, they're they're absolutely without any sort of guilt or remorse. They don't have it. And and so you gotta wonder where do they fit into the whole like what happens when you die? Well, obviously, uh the conventional, I guess that would be the word, conventional religion belief if you're a Muslim or a Christian, you know, or uh, is that they are going, going to hell. They're going to hell. Or, you know, if you're a Buddhist, they're going to be stuck doing this. The, they're going to be recycled. Recycled. Back. But they but but they came back that way. And so how does that fit into the, you know, it's very fascinating to me that, that like, the, to me, I just believe that there are people that were born without redemption. They were sent back for some nefarious purpose. But they, but there, there is no redemption for them. I don't care what anybody says. There are people that have argued with me religiously and said, oh, anybody can be redeemed. If God chooses to. No, they
2: can't. They, yeah, they but that's can't. not true, They're though, like because
0: the, that person was yeah. born without the ability to. Because like you, the
2: but, Adolf Hitlers and the, and the Joe Stalins and the Ted Bundys of this world. They are not—they have no humanity, no decency, no conscience.
0: Man, in particular, Stalin. I mean— Everybody rails on Hitler and all these other people, but to Stalin, evil he killed like 10 times the people that any other dictator has ever killed. And in our society, that's really what's also scary is that he's just kind of swept under the rug. You know, we had history professors who were just like... Hitler, 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 and you know all these other dictators and stuff. But then they just acted like Stalin did nothing. And I'm like, are you kidding me? He, because he
2: killed he, more Russians than the, than oh, the yeah. Nazis. Oh, he yeah. killed he, he
0: killed, killed everybody. I mean, he purged his own people over and over and over again,
2: and for no reason. And, yeah, and because he
0: was a psycho. Part. It was just a slaughter. 100 and what they said, 150 million people suffered and died total. under the in total. It's unbelievable. The the number is just a staggering, mind blowing number of, of what he did, but we're not going to digress into that. I'm just saying that it's, it's just in our society, it's kind of like there's people that we just don't really give them the credit for the, for the really how
1: dark and evil they are. That's I mean, true. well, and also just to throw that in there is that, uh, first, first is, uh, you're talking about, uh, these people that there's no redemption in accordance with the Buddhist tradition. Well, they're going to keep being recycled over and over again because- To what purpose? I mean, no, no, why no. are the, they around? Because, the, well, it's, that is only something that, that the universal creator can answer. That's it, why the source. Around?
0: Only God can, can you, tell us why they're allowed to come back and cause right.
1: misery and pain. Well, they have a soul. They have an everlasting soul that that's what they give. That, you know, the way I believe it is God gave them an everlasting soul. So even though they, they'll never learn their lesson, for lack of better words, they're going to keep getting recycled. You know, the mm-hmm. Buddhists, that, that's what the Buddhists say, that that you keep coming back, re- reincar- uh, being reincarnated until you learn the lesson. Mm-hmm. These poor people that are like that, unfortunately, probably will never, ever learn their lesson. Thus, they will be destined to be recycled back over and over and over again. And, and of course, if, you know, times in between that, like Lura said... Uh, You know, they're going to stay down in the lower rings, i.e. the lower levels of vibration, because obviously they're not doing anything to to uh, elevate their 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 uh, Their status, their status, their their way of thinking, their personal growth, i.e. their vibration. So and, and when you think of it all in all on a in a very logical, rational reason, if you've got the people that are going to go to the highest rings way out there. You gotta have those that are going to stay down here at the very low rings. Yeah. Does that make sense to you, Laura?
2: It it does. It, it's kind of you know <clears throat> well, on the scary side because I've been I went through one of those lower rings. It's not a good place. Wow! Um,
1: Could you tell us about yeah, that?
0: What was it like?
2: Well, I I went there to uh, rescue.
0: That's that's someone. A, that's the other question I was going to ask you. Because
2: but, um, my only rescue mission, because I'm, I'm not that good, I'm not one of these like astral, you know, uh, people that can go out of body and and you know d- do things like that too often. But I, 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 I got it like almost a call when I was out of body, and I went and I okay, found hold on, Bef- before
0: you say it, before you say it, I, 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 this is very exciting, okay. I'm sorry for being so excited, okay. but okay. Uh, we haven't talked about this off the air, okay, folks. I'm just going to tell you all that right now. I, okay, I had a friend who had undiagnosed PTSD. I'm almost positive he took his own life. And
2: oh, I'm so sorry.
0: My mother—he was one of my best friends. My mother, who never met the guy, my dad had met him, but my mother had never met him. Me and my mother were estranged for for several years, and but when we we in so. Anyways, she had never met him. And then my nephew, my brother's son, who had never met him, both started having dreams about this guy. And in these dreams, they were following me to go and talk to him. And and I was dreaming about it. But what was so weird about it was like the, the, the place where he was at, the way they described it to me, was the place that I was going to, to try to find him. And it was in a dark... Room with no doors. He was trapped in there, and th- now I'm not even going to get further into that. D- Does that sound familiar to you?
2: Yes, yes. Oh, well, I knew the I knew, I knew the man that that I was. You know, I had met him when I yeah I I know this guy, and I don't want to go into great detail about it. You know, because it would given who this person was, and he was very attracted to me, and I was very attracted to him, and I I liked him. Uh, But he died, and uh, I was able to find him, and I wanted to to get him out of this lower ring. He wasn't in a good place, and, you know, he wasn't going to budge, and he was just there. Um, And I said, you know, maybe we knew each other in another life, and he was glad to see me. He didn't seem surprised, and then it was over, and I couldn't, couldn't reach him, couldn't help him but when I knew he was a very handsome man when he was alive and he, we were very attracted to each other, but didn't act on it. So I was pretty surprised to uh, have encountered him, but I couldn't help him.
1: That's just amazing. That's, wow, that's totally, yeah, I, I mean, mind blowing, but, <laughs> but it's, it's he m- had
2: eye, brown eyes that I could drown. And I even have a picture of him on my computer. I mean, I really never forgot this guy. I was always, very attracted to him and I, I, and then I met him on a train and, and, um, it's very sad. I mean, I would have loved to have been his girlfriend, but he wasn't my, you know, he was above my league. He was better looking man than I was young girl. And, you know, he had money and he had, you know, more going on. I wouldn't have, uh, I would be too middle class and not sophisticated enough to have kept him, but there must have been some sort of connection. Or I wouldn't have found them. Yeah, I don't know. absolutely,
0: Laura. I, you, man, you were such a fascinating guest, and I'm not just saying that. I'm being serious. I am really very kind. Very, well, you, yeah, you got a lot of. I mean, this is a pretty awesome conversation. Let me, let me ask you a question. Okay, now I have a couple mm-hmm. friends of mine. One in particular, his name is. We call him Scorpion. He had a head injury when he was uh, a teenager, and. I'm, I'm actually he i'm actually trying to get him to come on he's he's here he's in the back i'm trying to get him to come on he goes to a place that that i call the city of night all right folks so uh we're going to talk about that place on the next episode um it'll be released next friday and uh we're going to discuss this city of night and uh, for now that's all we got with uh laura Ketchledge. don't forget to like and subscribe uh We hit 5,000 subscribers, and we're really proud of that. So, everyone, continue to uh, uh, tune in every week for a fresh new episode of Paranormal Roundtable. See ya.